Amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful to all be together. Um, had a had a great time uh, last night at Heyday. Uh, just uh, just everybody together and candy and food and football and face painting and bouncy houses and Jude said that he's he's done with the bouncy house thing. He's never going on a bouncy house again because because the kids were going up the slide instead of the stairs and he couldn't get down and so uh so he said he said next year for heyday we need a slide monitor. We need bouncy house monitors. Um but anyway, had a great time. Um and so thankful to to uh be here with you this morning. I'd like to continue um talking about we've been we've been on this topic of knowing Jesus and I'd like to continue that discussion. Uh, last Sunday we left off at, at Ephesians chapter 1. So I'd like to um, pick, up, pick up from there, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And, and I'll read down through um, part of chapter 1 and, and uh, highlight a couple of important things for us. And then we'll, we'll move over to chapter 4. And highlight a couple of things, and then we'll come back to chapter one to uh, to find some application for everything everything that we've learned. So uh, now that I've revealed my path, um, I've got to get to it in order to get it in order to get it done. Ephesians uh, chapter one, verse one, uh, we find we find the apostle Paul. Uh, referring to himself as as the apostle Paul, it's it's really it, it's it's amazing uh, how much truth and revelation and life giving help that Scripture can bring to us in in short <laughs> little passages of Scripture. And here Paul says uh, introduces himself, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by. The will of God. Now, if we if we remember the story of the Apostle Paul, this is this is an incredible statement that he has made here because we know this is not how he started out. It wasn't Paul; it was Saul, and he wasn't an apostle of Christ Jesus. He was the he was the leading, most passionate persecutor of the church. He wasn't living in the will of God. He was running from. Uh, the will of God, and so it's it's important to note that that the thing that changed him was Christ Jesus. It was an encounter with Jesus. It was the Damascus Road encounter with Christ, where he saw Jesus and met with him, and he didn't know who he was. You remember that? Jesus, blinding light. Knocks him down, blinds his eyes, speaks to him, and he says, who are you, Lord? He, he doesn't recognize the voice of Christ, but after this moment, he does. And his life is changed. His life is transformed. That, that's, that's what we are, that's the kind of faith that we're called to. That's the kind of, what, what believing in Jesus is. What faith in Jesus is, is the Damascus Road encounter where our lives are changed and, tr- and transformed forevermore. We didn't live for him before, and now we do. It's, it's not about heaven. 
It's about Jesus. It's not about going to heaven. No, nobody likes for, for you to say that. Believing in Jesus is not about going to heaven. I believe in Jesus, now I'm going to go to heaven. Now I'm, now I'm going to continue down the road I was on and live the way that I want to live. That's not the faith that Jesus has called us to. It's not, that's not the work of believing in him that he's called us to. It's, it's the Apostle Paul. Not Saul anymore, I'm Paul. I've got a new name written down in glory. I'm not a persecutor of the church anymore. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm not walking in my will. All of this is because of the will of God. Heaven's a wonderful blessing. It's a great benefit. It's, it's not even about abundant life here and now. It's about knowing Jesus. The call is, it's a Peter call, right? It's, it's leave the boats and the nets and the fish and come and follow me. It's a, it's a Matthew call, right? Up out of the tax collector booth, come and follow me. It's a Paul call. Stop persecuting and begin to build. It's, it's a life-changed transformed encounter with Christ to where we are never the same again. That's why when, when Jesus came preaching, he came preaching repentance. Right? Re- repentance isn't, Lord, forgive me for my sins so that I can continue to live in them. And it's not, Lord, bless the, the direction that I'm going so that I don't reap any wrong benefits uh, from that. It's Repentance is you change the way that you're going. You change the way that you're living. Repentance literally means I'm walking this way. Now I'm going this way. I repent. I change direction. This is what, this is what has happened in the Apostle Paul's life. This is, the, this is the believing in Christ, the faith in Christ that we are called to. You remember what James 3 says when he's talking about faith? He said, he said you believe in Jesus? Good. So do the demons. And they shudder. But it doesn't have any impact or effect on, their, on, their, on, the web, on what they're doing. Paul says, we, uh, James says, the, the faith that we're called to, the believing in Christ that we're called to, is transformation, it's life change, it's, it's everything moves and shifts and is different. Now, now it's, it's Paul now who says, it's Paul who points us to the, to the knowing of Christ. And, and, and everything else flows out of that. I would say that everything else in Paul's life uh, comes from the work that he's doing of just seeking to know Christ Jesus. He's the one who says in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's in Philippians 3 that Paul says, I, I'm losing everything. I laid down everything. There's nothing that compares to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And then, and then it's, I know we've covered all this, so I'm recapping. But, but then it's out of that, that, that Paul then, out of this journey of living to know Christ Jesus, out of that, Paul comes to the place, his, his faith grows, if you will. Uh, if, if you want to move from faith to faith, it's fix your eyes on Jesus and, and, and live to know who he is. And as you grow in the knowledge of Christ, your faith will grow, your faith will increase. And so, so Paul grows to the point that he is able to say things like Philippians 4.13. I can do 
all things through Christ who strengthens me. And like Ephesians 1, I'm Paul. And I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. It's a bold statement, isn't it? Paul lays himself out with the 12, with, with, the, with the, the Peters and the Johns and the Matthews. He says, this is who I am. He says, not by my will or by, or by theirs, but by the will of God. Paul is now believing that he is who Jesus says he is and that he can do what Christ says he can do. And we've got to get this, this we've got to get that faith stirred back up into our lives. We've got we've to have a renewed faith or a new faith, I don't know where you are in the journey exactly, that you are who Christ says you are. And that you can do what he says you can do. So this is where we are. We are believing that we are who Christ says we are and that we can do what he says we can do. So, so to, to add to this, um, let's just keep reading and we'll, and we'll pick it up. Uh, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus or, or, to, the, or to God's saints uh, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Important to, to continue to point this out. Those who are in Christ Jesus, you're, you're not going to come to the knowledge of who you are and, and what he's called you to by, if you reject Christ Jesus. Uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, this is where we left off last Sunday. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Here it is again. You see it? In Christ. So maybe when we, you know, when we start feeling the stirring of the call of God on our lives and we think, I'm, I'm not enough and I'm not able, and I, and I can't, and I don't have, then when, when those doubts start to come into our minds, then we go back to Ephesians chapter 3, and we remember that if we are in Christ Jesus, that we've got everything that, we've need, that we need, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, in Christ. Again, this is not happening out of Christ. If you, if you reject Christ, then then you are not blessed with everything you need to do the things that, that you want to do. But in Christ Jesus, when we are in Christ Jesus, then we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's continue reading, and, and we'll, I think Scripture will help us to, to understand. And, and what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about um, one of these blessings, right? Because this is a vast topic. And I, I, I thought about doing 20 blessings and cover them today, but I'm already long-winded, so let's just, boom, let's hit it down to one. We'll just do, we'll just do one. And, and I've covered these, this before, but the Lord's just stirring it in my, in my heart again. So, I, so, so if, it, if it seems old hat to you, I apologize. I'm just, th- these days I'm trying to, uh, Galatians 5.25, to just, to just be led by the Spirit more and more and more, and, and then just, just trust in Him. And, and if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. 
For, for he chose us in him, you see it? Before the creation of the world, I don't understand, but there it is. To, to be holy, not, not sinful, not wicked, not evil, not foolish, holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and his will. I'm trying to decide if I got time to go through all that. Mm. Wasting time thinking about if I do. Mm. He, he predestined us not, not to be children of this world, but to be adopted to, to sonship through Jesus Christ. This is, this, is a, this is a position word that we are all now in Christ Jesus because of everything that Christ has done. Children of God, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. In accordance with, this was his pleasure, it was his, it was his will. To the praise of of His glorious grace. There, there's a word I want us to remember, and it's, and it's grace. So I don't know if you're taking notes or anything, but you can, you can write that down. And we're just going to highlight that, but we'll come back to it. And, and I love here how it's called His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves, in Christ Jesus. So, so here's, a, here's another word, this word given, and and in Christ Jesus, God has, out of His glorious grace, he, He's freely given us His glorious grace, which, which it's got to be freely, otherwise it's not grace. So there's nothing that we've done to receive it, but God has given to us uh, freely His glorious grace. It's almost like we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This is all is happening in the, one, in the one he loves. Now, let's continue. Um, Ephesians is like one of my favorite books, so bear with, that's why I'm excited. Like whenever the Lord allows me to preach, I'm like, yes, Lord. In him, you see it again? It's in Christ. It's knowing Christ. It's who he is. It's all that he's done. All of this is found in him. Listen to this. In him we have redemption through his blood. Amen. Hallelujah. In him we, we have redemption. Do you, do you know what redemption is? I, I looked it up to see, what, to see what Google says, and it's really like great. Let me give you two, two definitions. I'll read them together. Two definitions. This is, this is redemption. This is what I found Googling. Uh, is that how you, do you still say that, Googling it? You Google it? I'm very uncool. Mm. Um, the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. The action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. The action, this is the one I really love in connection with that one. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something 
in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. It is, it is Jesus who came to save us from sin, from error, from evil, by regaining us, by redeeming us as a possession of His, but not freely. There was an exchange. There was a payment that was made that cleared the debt, and the payment we see is right here. It is His blood. You see, you you remember Genesis where we were together, right? God created Adam and set him in the garden. And then God said about Adam, it's not good for him to be alone. And so God created a woman, Eve. Notice my not so subtle emphasis on woman, Eve, as a helper for man, Adam. And brought Eve to Adam, and they were together in the garden with the Lord. They were together there. And then sin came in and entered the picture. And what did it bring? It brought separation. There there became conflict between man and and woman and man and man and, and brother and brother, Cain and Abel. And there became separation from God, right? They were removed from the garden, no no longer allowed to return. And relationship with God shifted and changed. And God was not okay with that, and, and, and it was not good for us. And so God sent His Son, Jesus, to regain, to redeem His possession, to get back what had been taken from Him. But, he, but there had to be there was a price of sin, and that and the only thing that could pay that price was the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? It just makes you want to start singing some songs about the blood. The blood of Jesus. So redemption happened, but it, but it, but it wasn't cheap. As God had to bring His, God had to give His only begotten Son, and not just give. To suffer and die, be crucified and bleed and shed his blood, offer himself as a sacrifice. That, that's, that's why it's okay to praise him. Okay to worship and exalt and glorify his name. Good to say thank you Jesus and hallelujah and blessed be the name of the Lord. I love that song that we sang, but I kind of take issue with the one part of, of, of it's, it's not very much, my hallelujah, it's not very much, but it's all that I can bring. I can't remember exactly how it's worded, because it, it, it kind of devalues our worship, but God considered our worship something of great value and worth, to where he said, only bring it to me and don't bring it to anybody else, and only he alone is worthy of a Hallelujah. So if I were to rewrite the song, I'd just change that part. Elizabeth says, I think too hard about these things. Okay, so we've remembered grace. Now remember for me, if you will, his blood. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
Now, now remember for me this forgiveness. So we have his glorious grace. We have been redeemed through his blood. He has forgiven our sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So again, we've got the glorious riches of God's grace that has been freely lavished upon us. I'm just connecting scripture there. Right? Remember those other scriptures, freely given glorious grace. So here we just put the glorious riches of God's grace that have been freely lavished on us who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's me. I hope it's you. If it's not, it can be. We live in the day of salvation. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved and can come in with the saints into Christ Jesus. He has lavished this upon us. You see, you see why in Christ we start to believe that I am who he says I am and I can do what he says I can do? Because I'm not dependent on all of these things in the world or even on my own flesh and blood. I have been redeemed and saved and forgiven and I am now under God's grace that he freely, gloriously lavishes upon me. And he does it with all wisdom and understanding. God doesn't just throw things together. Right? He just, you know, we're spirit, soul, and body. And he just doesn't take spirit and soul and body and throw it all together in, in some, you know, just, I'll just grab this pile and throw that in that pile and throw that in. He, he puts you together just how he wanted you to be. He formed and fashioned you and made you. He's the master craftsman. And then his blessing and his grace are also poured out upon you with all wisdom and understanding. And in Christ Jesus, we start to gain wisdom and understanding of how he has put us together and the grace that he has lavished upon us. Verse 9, continue. We'll, we'll read down through 10 and then we'll go to, go to 4. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Christ, through Christ, under Christ. God's working towards something. Uh, he's going to bring all things uh, into their proper place. Uh, and he's going to bring order and unity. And it's all going to be in Christ Jesus and under uh, Christ Jesus. And in all of this, we not only see uh, his, his providential will, but we begin to recognize the will of God for our lives as well. And not only do we see it, but we believe in it and believe that we can do it because we, because we know uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I hope, um, let's, go to, let's go to Ephesians 4. Is it hot in here? kind of want to take my jacket off, but I don't want you to feel like it's just going to go on forever, so... Mm. All right, um, so, so what do we highlight here? We, we've highlighted uh, that God's a giver, right? Lavishing his glorious grace 
uh, the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Now, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 1, um, says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Right? We, we've, we've been called, uh, and now... Paul's encouraging us to live worthy of the calling that we have received. Um, it is a, it is, it is the call of God on our lives, and it is to us to say, "I can do this. All things through Christ who strengthens me. I am who God has called me to be." Paul's. Paul's now called of God, and, it, and it's wrong of him. For, for, it's wrong of him for Jesus to come and say to Paul, you are an apostle. It's wrong of Paul to say, no, I'm not. I'm a persecutor. I'm a murderer. It's, it, that's wrong of Paul. Jesus, what, what Christ says trumps what Paul's past has been. If, if, if he says now, you are an apostle, then Paul is an apostle. And now he's got to live worthy of the calling that he has received. It's wrong of Paul to say, it's for Jesus to say, Paul, I want you to go and, and I want you to plant churches all over the world proclaiming the gospel in Jesus' name. It's wrong of Paul to say, I cannot do that. That is not living worthy of the calling that he has received. Now, what Jesus says, again, trumps what Paul says and what Paul believes. Jesus says, I want you to go and do it, then you can go and do it. And you're blessed with every spiritual blessing to go and do it. So to live worthy of what God has called us to, we've all got to face this. Because he calls us to what we don't think we can do. And calls us who we don't believe we are. I mean, look through scripture, it's time and time again. Right? He, he comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and say, let my people go. And Moses says, that's not me. I'm not a deliverer. I'm not a speaker. You've got the wrong guy. Does God get the wrong guy? No. He comes to Gideon and Gideon's hiding, threshing wheat. Judges chapter 6, he says, he says Gideon, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, no, he's not. He's not with us. Well, Gideon, that's Gideon's response. You're, you're not with us. And I'm not a mighty warrior. Is God wrong? No, he's not. God's not wrong. We are. i got to continually tell myself that, right? God's not wrong. I'm wrong. I get right when I line up with what he says. It's not what you say about you or anybody else does. It's what he says about you. And it's not what you've called yourself to or what you believe you can do. I hear this all the time. That's not me. I can't do that. Would you knock that off in all kindness and compassion and gentleness? I know you can't. He can. And he's enough and has blessed you with everything that you need every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And now he calls us to live worthy of the calling we've received. Well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like receiving it and living it out. 
Verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Well, here's an interesting thing that comes into the picture. One another. To be patient with one another, bearing with one another in love. Right? All seems like all this has been just focused on me, and now we're bringing others into the picture. Verse 3. Make every effort. Don't you love all these? Um, you you got to be completely humble. And now you got to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, here we got our word again, right? Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So now God is giving again to, uh, to who? To each one of us. That means you. He's not left you out. Not holding anything back from you. To each one of us, grace has been given as, as who? Christ apportioned it. And he gives, do do you remember? Freely, graciously, but also with wisdom and understanding. Right? Uh, He doesn't make you, you know, five foot six and then call you to be an NBA basketball player. Right? Gives you the gifts that you need. Right? Makes you five foot six. Uh, and then calls you to be a preacher because nobody because it doesn't matter how tall you are, and you can travel well. You know, I feel sorry for tall guys when I'm on a plane. I I got all kinds of leg room. Just trying to be spirit led. I'm just yeah. verse eight. I got to hurry up. This is why it said, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? It is, uh, verse 10, uh, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave. So now he's giving. Christ is giving. And he's giving gifts. Now, uh, now, now's where it gets interesting. Here's, here's the gift. So Jesus is giving gifts. He gave, he gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. It's, it's not only the gift of apostle, but it is the person of the apostle. Right? Not only the gift of of, of prophecy, but it is the gift of the prophet. It's not only the gift of evangelism, but it is the person, the gift of the evangelist. It's not only the gift of pastors, uh, the gift of pastors to a pastor, but it is that the pastor is a gift. I'm a gift. I'm a gift from Jesus to you. And the gift of, I got one clap, thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Yes, love you. The gift of, of teachers to, that is a gift given 
So, so it is a gift of people given. All right? Now he, now he goes on. And they're given to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this gift given uh, to uh, the body, and we could go to some other scriptures and then identify uh, body gifts that are given to uh, the saints, and we are all to uh, gifts to one another. So, the, so the, the gift I would like to point out to you this morning that is a gift from Christ to you is the gift of others. It is the gift of saints. It's the gift of one another. Look around the room. There's a gift for you. One sitting next to you. One sitting across the room, like it or not, one standing on the stage, one off in the rooms over here, tall ones and even some little ones. Gifts, we are gifts from Christ to one another. And when we come together in unity, we grow and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then... It goes on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead of, of all that, uh, which we see a lot of happening, right? You got the isolated Christian who doesn't connect with the people of God. They're blown here and there by everything. Every little wind that comes along blows them off course. They, they remain infants. This is, not, this is not living worthy of the call of God on our lives. If we're going to do the things that God's called us to do and be the people that he's called us to be, we need the gifts. We need one another. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, in all, we will, grow, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There again, we are to, we are to work. We are called to it. We can do it. But we are not called to it alone. And one of the greatest gifts that we have been given is the gift of one another. Connection makes the impossible possible. We can go and do the things that God has called us to do because we go and do them together. You need me. I need you we need each other. We are a gift to one another. And we need to begin to look at each other like that. Like right there is a gift who is able to do what I cannot do. 
comes alongside of me and complements me and my gift. Together we go further. We're sharper. We're better. We stand. We defend. We're successful. We can do the impossible when we are together. So he gives us this gift of others. He gives us this gift of one another. But then there's also the gift of togetherness. So there's the the gift of others, and then there's the gift of togetherness. Because it's it's not really a helpful gift to us if we're not also together. If we've got others, right, we've got all these body parts, but they're not connected, that's not helpful at all. Right, all my body parts work beautifully because they're connected. Take one off, it doesn't work very well. We've got to be connected. So not only does Jesus give us the gift of others, he gives us the gift of unity. Gives us the gift of togetherness. The, the, the impossible becomes possible. Unity in relationships. Healthy, life-giving, connected relationships becomes possible in Christ Jesus. Not only called us together, but he makes it possible. And, and, and he wants us to do it, to redeem relationships, the same way that he redeemed relationship. Now, I'm not, we don't have to shed any blood. He's done that. But the blood represents for us how highly God values us, how much worth he places upon us. And if we're going to redeem relationships, that's one of the places we need to start. We've got to highly value one another. God so valued us that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we highly value one another. We recognize that we are gifts to one another. We recognize that we greatly need one another, that we can't write each other off, that we can't just be done with each other, that we're, that we're uh, connected and called and gifted and important and highly valued, that Christ not only so loved me that he shed his blood, but he so loved you that he shed shed his blood. So we highly value one another as, as, as God has highly valued us. Um, and uh, just, just in case you, uh, you don't believe that, he's, that the Lord has highly valued you, uh, there is John 3.16, that's one. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17 says that he delights uh, in you. Uh, Psalm 17.8, that you are the apple uh, of his eye. Uh, and, and I could give you more, but that's good right there. So, so remember redemption through His blood. We value one another. We recognize that here are gifts that I need and, and I am a gift that they need. So um, place a high value if you want to redeem relationships You've got to place a high value on those uh, relationships. And then, and then you remember that, um, that uh, it was through, through his blood that he redeemed us. 
and then there was the forgiveness of sins. So as Christ has forgiven us, we also forgive one another. Um, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 6 just for a moment. Luke 6.37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For, if the, for, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I know, I know forgiveness is hard. But Scripture leads us, and, and this just makes sense, to as we have been forgiven, to forgive. That the forgiveness that we have received, that has restored relationship with our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that as we have been forgiven, we are to forgive one another. Uh, you could also look at, at Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Right, where where we are, if we don't forgive, then we'll not be uh, forgiven. Or Matthew 18, uh, where Peter asks the question of Jesus about forgiveness: How many times, Lord? Seven. And Jesus is like, No, Peter, not seven. Forgive, as you've been forgiven. That's the way that you are to forgive. And then he tells the parable uh, of the of the man of the servant who was forgiven a debt he could never pay, <coughs> and then and then would not forgive the person who owed him. And so he wound up in prison again because he would not forgive. So forgiveness has restored relationship with, with us and the Lord and forgiveness will restore relationship with us and one another. And relationship must be restored because you're a gift to me and I'm a gift to you. And you're a gift to one another. And it's only together that we grow to know Christ in His fullness. And it's only together that the church builds to become everything that He has called it to be as each part does its work. So as we've been forgiven, we also forgive. We saw the blood in Ephesians 1, and we saw forgiveness in Ephesians 1. We also in Ephesians 1 saw grace. And not only is the, is the valuing of one another of such, of such importance, if we're, gonna not only, if we're not only going to be gifts to one another, but we're going to be connected together gifts. And not only is forgiveness so important, but grace is so important to us, to us having together relationships. Grace is, uh, we, we often say it like this, it's God's unmerited favor. It's, it's the gift given that I don't deserve. It's the gift given that I haven't earned. It's the gift given that, that I probably am completely unworthy of, and yet God lavishes it he gives it, He pours it out graciously, and He does it with wisdom and understanding. And I think if we're going uh, to be united and be together, and we've got to be, 
then we've got to follow his example. And as we have received grace, we've got to give grace. Graciously, gloriously, freely, with wisdom and understanding, we give to one another. I'm not talking about giving forgiveness. We've, just, we've already covered that. I'm talking about going above and beyond and giving grace to one another. Grace, a, a gift that's not deserved. That, that hasn't been earned. Doing it with wisdom and understanding. Giving to one another. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Uh, be gracious to one another. Remember that we're all flesh and blood and that we all make dumb mistakes and say stupid things and be gracious to one another and bear with one another. But then also go above and beyond and see how we can bless Everyone in every way that we can. And you say, well, I'm not going to bless them. They don't deserve it. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, not saying. I'm not saying give them a deserved gift. I'm saying grace. It's grace. Yes, they don't deserve it. Right? This is great for marriage. Right? Great for marriage. We give to our wives when they don't deserve it. Give to our husbands when they don't deserve it. Right? You say... Doing that, he don't deserve it. That's why it's grace. Grace, freely given with wisdom and understanding, heals broken relationships, brings people together. Not only that, but empowers them and helps them and stirs them to do the things God has called them to do and to be the people God has called them to be. We've been given a gift. It's the gift of one another. And we've been given a gift, the gift of possible togetherness. We can unite. We must. I don't care how much we don't like it. You need one another. We need each other. Unless, unless you have no desire to live worthy of the calling you've received. Unless it's just heaven. I just want to make it to heaven. I just want to slide on in. You know, give me a little cabin up on the hillside. I'll be happy if that's all it is. And and that's not living worthy of the calling we've received. We can all slip into that temptation. It's, it's easy, but that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. He's called us to build His church. He's called us to be witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world. There is a call of God on our lives more than just heaven. A call of God on our lives to know Christ Jesus. And that means that we are going to need the gift of one another. And we also have the gift of togetherness. We highly value one another. And always forgive. And graciously give. And you will find that you are uniting and connecting and coming together and when you start to unite and connect and come together with the gifts of God, His saints, His people, the body of Christ, 
the body will grow and you will grow and you will grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus and the church will be built up as each part does its work because we're united, because we are together. There's nothing easy about any of this, but we are not people who are called to easy. We recognize that we are in a fight against this world, that we are in a fight against our enemy. We recognize that in this life we will have trouble, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. We are those who live by faith. Our faith and trust is in Christ Jesus. He is with us. We are not alone. And we are together. And with him and together, we can do all things that he has called us to do. And we can become who he has called us to become. He has given us gifts, and the gift may be surprising, but it's sitting right next to you. It's the gift of one another and the gift of possible togetherness. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for Thank you Lord for redemption through your blood that through the price that you have paid we can come together with you and together with one another Thank you, Lord, for reminding us this morning that we not only need you, but we need each other. Lord, I'm just amazed as I look through Scripture of how clearly this is a desire of your heart. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant is it when family is together in unity. Acts chapter 2, and they were together on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, 42. They were, they were devoted to the fellowship. And all the people came together. Acts chapter 1. And they constantly met together. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 1. All through Scripture, Lord. We see that it is your plan that we unite that it is your plan that we come together. And here this morning, Lord, we're reminded that, that we are gifts to one another. Lord, even... I, I know we all struggle with this because I do. So I pray, Lord, that you'd, that you'd help us to highly value one another. Lord, Lord don't let us fall into the trap of of like selective forgiveness. Let us, 
Let us always forgive everyone in every way. Lord, give us a revelation of your grace that you have lavished upon us with wisdom and understanding and help us to lavish it on one another. Help us to be gracious with one another, to bear with one another, to love one another and, and, and recognize and remember like you do that we're flesh and blood. When we say something, Lord, that, that, we, that we shouldn't have said, let there be forgiveness and grace. And when something is said to us, Lord, that, we, that hurt us, let, let us respond in forgiveness and grace. Lord, we pray that, that as we do this, that you'd come in and make up the difference and you'd bring us together in unity. Your body together united, each part doing its work will flourish and grow. And the body parts within that will flourish and grow and we'll all grow to maturity in the knowledge of the fullness of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. We exalt you and bless you and praise you. Hallelujah. Right now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if the Lord is bringing to your mind any relationship that needs healing, just speak to Him of it. Just go ahead and forgive. Ask Him to bless you with wisdom and understanding so that you can lavish grace upon that relationship so that it will be redeemed. Lord, right now, I know that there are broken relationships. I know that there are areas of separation. Lord, I pray that you would come and bring redemption. That you'd stir the parties involved to go and regain what has been stolen. To regain what has been lost. To, 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 to fight to bring unity and connection, togetherness back to those relationships. Let them be redeemed, I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' name. And this morning, if, if you have not received the grace and forgiveness and redemption of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right now, today, is the day of salvation. And all you have to do is come to Jesus and put your faith and trust in Him and receive his gift of salvation and he'll bring you into the family of God. If you'd like to do that this morning, would you just raise your hand? just want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching online and you've got your hand raised, we're going to pray together uh, here as a church. We're just going to renew our commitment to the Lord here and you just pray with us there, wherever you may be watching. Let's pray together. Everyone just repeating after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood that has saved me, that has redeemed me. I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. Save me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior and my Lord. I give you my life. 
Help me, Jesus, to live worthy of all that you've done for me and the calling I have received. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Uh, Love one another. Fight for one another. Connect with one another uh, because we're all a gift to each other. God bless. Uh, Have a great Sunday afternoon. And um, I'll turn it over to Greg.